everybody and welcome to another UB Pointers podcast. Today we are going to do part one of a two-part series. This series is about the Upward Bound staff and how we chose our colleges, why we chose them, um, and a little bit of just our college experience. Um, This episode we start with Cindy Jordan. She is the wife of Mr. Jordan, which some of you may know, um, and she is our administrative assistant, uh, really the backbone of the Upper Bound program. Um, And then Judy talks about uh, her ritual with college. So it's kind of an interesting thing that she used to do during testing and stuff like that. So next week we will be uh, talking about the same thing, but it'll be Jeff and I talking about our college experience. So stay tuned for that. Great. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jess. Can can you start by telling us um, a little bit about what you do for Upward Bound, who you are, all that fun stuff? Sure. So my name is Cindy Jordan, and I am a retired high school math teacher, and I work part-time for Upward Bound as the administrative assistant. Is that what I would want to say? Mm-hmm. Um, I take care of a lot of the paperwork. Um, when you guys get things in the mail, those are things that I have put together for you. Um, I take care of recording your um, stuff that comes to us from your school, like your grades, um, your test scores, Um, I take care of updating files like when you move. Um, I am a major player in the annual performance report, otherwise known as the APR, that we have to send to the federal government on a yearly basis. Um, That's, I don't know, can you guys think of something else that I do that? Program assistant extraordinaire. Yeah, oh, yeah, she's really the backbone of everything we do. So, so anytime you get anything in the mail, Cindy probably put that together for you. Mm-hmm. And this is Jeff. She also proofreads everything that I do. She always catches at least one mistake. So I'm thankful yeah. for that. <laughs> I don't catch them all, but I do catch a, a good portion of them. Agreed. So. If something goes out and it's got lots of errors, then they probably didn't have me proofread it. Oh. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I also order like your school supplies when you get those in the summer. I order all that stuff for you. Yeah. Yep. So. I do lots of that. Yep. So I, I only work 18 hours a week because that's basically when you retire from a state institution and then work for another state institution, that's all they'll let you work. Otherwise they take your retirement away. Oh no. Yeah, so hence that's why I only work 18 hours a week. Well, um, then what we need is for you, we we just want you to tell us more about um, how you chose the college that you wanted to go to and why you chose math and um, I think that uh, you studied abroad as well so I did so I I'm a Stevens Point 
Tony. I, um, my family actually moved here when I was um, going into fifth grade and my dad worked, he was a teacher at the university at that time. And my mother was a nurse and I have four siblings. So there's five of us. Um, and I guess I always knew that I would go to college. I, it was never a question of whether I can or whether I can't. It was always, I just knew that and nobody ever told me I had to. I just knew that I would go and be, I could live at home. And so I, I enrolled at UWSP. I really didn't look at any other schools. So um, math was always one of my favorite subjects. But when I started college, I actually had an undecided major. I think I declared by the end of my freshman year that I would be a math um, major and an education or a, and a business administrative minor. Um, and I got both of those. And then I went back and got my teaching certification after that. So I actually have another major in mathematics education. I um, taught 31 years in, um, at Westfield High School in Westfield, Wisconsin. I taught everything from seventh grade math up to um, what we called advanced math. I didn't teach calculus, but I taught every other course that was offered at that school um, in my 31 years there. So. So why did you choose math? <laughs> that's the real question. Because that's what I was good at. I was good at math and, and the business stuff too. I was really good at accounting. So business administration as a minor was like a no brainer. Because those are my, I was terrible at English. So, and I can tell you that when I was in my, my college math courses, now college math courses are, you think the ones you have in high school are tough. Those college ones can be really tough, really, really tough. And then sometimes um, you don't always um, have the best materials to use. So I did end up failing one of my math classes. Um, I had the teacher, not that I was not at fault. I'm sure I didn't do everything I could have done to pass. I mean, I probably, um, I probably should have been going in to see him and I didn't do that, but he wasn't a very good teacher and I didn't, um, approaching him just didn't seem like the thing to do. And then um, I retook the class. I went, to, I went on semester abroad to London and one of the um, teachers that went with us from the university, um, he was a math teacher. And he, so I took the class a second time. There was another student on the trip that also needed a math class. And so the two of us took that one because um, he hadn't had that class yet. And it was called complex variables. And when I took it overseas with the other teacher, First of all, he told us that the textbook was the worst textbook he had ever seen. And I got an A minus. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, you, you struggle with classes and it's, you know, it's, it's not like it's just the teacher's fault, but there, there is sometimes where, and being a teacher, I know that too. Sometimes, you know, you just kind of have to cope and you have to live with the consequences, I guess. Do students even know what textbooks are? Do they still have those? Are they all like online things? 
I think Good they question. have them. I've been out of education for six years, maybe six years now. So I don't even know what they're using these days. Well, you, you are you. married to Mr. Jordan, right? So okay. he's the one who's our, um, he's the teacher that we have during the summer session. So for computers and drama. Yep. So, yep. but I think that a lot of places still use textbooks, but um, I know that some teachers, especially in college, will, um, I was told towards the end of my college career that um, we needed to wait until the first day of class or maybe like the couple days after class to get our textbooks because some professors, like they say that they have a textbook, but you really only need to read like maybe a chapter out of it. So they'll have it like a copy of it or something online for you to read instead of getting the whole textbook so uh, yeah I, I can all I can all I remember is that when I was teaching that textbooks were incredibly expensive math textbooks were incredibly expensive so I don't know yep, I could ask my husband but he's not here right now he would be at school oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that is one of the um, like UW Stevens Point, I don't, I can't think off the top of my head what other schools in the system have what's called text rental. So you just use, like you rent your textbooks, you don't have to buy all of them. But I know like when I was in grad school and I think UW Madison, even undergrad level, you have to buy all your books and that can be, like Cindy said, incredibly expensive. So yeah, very um, expensive. One of my favorite <laughs> jokes is um, there's a, oh gosh, what is it? Yeah, it was like an actual like article and a guy got arrested for stealing $20,000 worth of textbooks. And then somebody wow. commented on it and said, oh, I hope they got their one book back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they are expensive, but that shouldn't deter you from, you know, going to school. But that's why um, the advice is just to wait, because like I said, some professors will say oh we're only using this couple pages so um yeah yeah so i would always just wait unless the syllabus says specifically that you need your textbook um mm -hmm. it's always okay to wait yep so did you have any um because you went to uw stevens point right yep i have both a, ma a bachelor's and a master's from uw stevens point my master's is in, um, um, I have a, I'm a master teacher. Yep. So, so um, you uh, went abroad, right? So then you kind of told the story. Um, is there anything that you'll even notice that's, cause you work at UWSP too. Is there anything that you've noticed is different about, you know, from, schooling from when and, I went to school? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, um, I actually worked in the purchasing department when I was in college um, and, and I was during, well, during the school, during the school year, you could only work 20 hours a week. I think they've upped that now to 25. And then um, that's one difference. And then I worked um, in the summers or during vacations and stuff. I, I worked full time in the purchasing department. Um, we typed everything. There were no computers when I started and there were no P cards and there were, there was no um, 
we we use um, shop UW, which is for the whole state, all the computer, all the universities in the state. We did that. That was done just, you know, on campus. But yeah, the major difference was there was no computers. When I was when I was a senior in high school, we had um, there was a computer class and it was punch cards. And so you had to like type on these type on these um, and they were like flashcard size kind of and you had typed and it put little holes in these cards and then you had to make sure the cards were in order and you could have like a thousand cards and then the teacher would run them over to the university and run them through their big computer there but there was no such thing as a cell phone there was no such thing as a tablet there was no such thing as a laptop so back then you just you went to class and you did what they told you to do and you didn't look anything up on the internet or anything didn't exist <laughs> That's how old I am. <laughs> so, so yeah. any fun stories from college? Um, fun stories. Well, I um, I worked as I said. I worked in purchasing, and at that time, purchasing was in the maintenance of materials building on the um, way north end of campus, across the street from the big um, smokestack, and um the mail room was there and then the um and then that's where like the painter is and the locksmith and the building people and the transportation people so in that building there were three females that worked um myself i worked in purchasing uh linda worked in the mail room and jackie worked in with the locksmiths and we, the three of us were part of a bowling team. So we, there was a university bowling league on Thursday nights at Point Bowl. And so the three of us were a team and we bowled our three games every Thursday night during the school year for, I think all four years that I was there, I bowled with them. <laughs> and we bowled, you know, and then, and then of course you had those rivalries with people and, um, Jackie and Linda, both of their boyfriends were on the veteran team. And so, you know, then afterwards you, we'd go downtown and yeah, hang out. <laughs> so, do grown up yeah. things. Yeah, do grown up things. Yep, because we were grown ups. <laughs> so, but we had, a, we had a really good time, you know, bowling. It was, I don't, I don't, it must have, I don't even know who, which one of, it had to be Jackie or I bet it was Jackie that had us, you know, had us join up and do that together. But yeah. that was an activity that was kind of fun outside of other stuff. So I did go on semester abroad and, and I strongly encourage you to do that if you think you might be interested. I think now the, um, we're, set, we're much more of, instead of being, you know, the United States and the rest of the world, it's become more of a global economy and getting along with people from other places and all that kind of stuff that that doing the semester abroad really opens your eyes to what's happening in other places in the world that you don't necessarily get here in you know Wisconsin. I've heard so, um, that students who go on 
semester abroad, they come back and they're like, it was life-changing. Did you feel like you came back a different person? Oh, I don't know that I felt like I came back a different person myself, but I can tell, I can assure you that there were others in our bunch that did. So there, there was, you know, that the, in London, there's, well, first of all, there's cultural differences. Um, we, and wording, you know, things like, things that you would never dream of doing in the US. We, we lived in a, um, in a hostel and I think there were 55 of us in my group and three um, um, teachers from the university or three staff, three adults. Well, we were adults too, but, um, and of course they were in charge of arranging things and past groups had been naughty and so um, there used to be a bus driver that drove them all over places well, we, we didn't have that luxury. We had to travel by train. So they had to arrange for train and transportation, all that kind of stuff for us. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, there, we would go down to the downtown, um, Acton. It's a, like a suburb of London. And people would just like leave their kids in their strollers outside the stores and go in stores. I found that really odd. You know, you wouldn't see that happening in the U.S. Especially not now. You get charged <laughs> now, with like abandonment or neglect or something. Right? Yeah, it was just the weirdest thing ever. You know, I'm just gonna leave that baby sit right out there on the in their stroller. I didn't call it a stroller in their pram. I was gonna say pram. So yeah. So, you know, that kind of that kind of thing was. You know, you learn. We we had um unlike any of the towns in our target school area, mass transit was how you got around London. So that was definitely, you know, something you learned to do. And that probably, you know, I, I could probably deal with a lot of other um, systems within the US or in the world because of what I learned, you know, how do you, how maneuver the, it's the tube, the underground, the tube. You had to walk a certain distance to get to the tube stations because they're not like on every corner. <laughs> and yes, I rode in a double-decker bus. Was I, the food as bad as people say it is? Um, we got um, two meals a day. So our morning meal, we got breakfast. And breakfast was... Um, the toast was always rubbery. Um, we got milk three days a week. Um, we had eggs most mornings and they were okay. I mean, it was like having eggs at home. But when they, the morning, the first morning that we had stewed tomatoes for breakfast, it was a bit eye-opening for a lot of my <laughs> travel companions. <clears throat> I like tomatoes, so that wasn't a problem for me. Just found it a little odd to be having them for breakfast. And then dinner was, sometimes it was very, very good, sometimes not so good. And Thursday night, we always called it surprise meat night. So <laughs> you didn't know what you were eating. And so that was the best, that was the best night to go downtown London to the theater or something else and eat out. Um, we also had pizza on Sundays. And the pizza, it would be, you know, um, pizza and then tomato sauce and then tuna. 
and then cheese. Tuna Ooh. on pizza. Yeah. That With sounds tomatoes. Yeah. With tomato tomato sauce? sauce. Regular tomato sauce. Yeah. Uh, you know. Be, yeah. That yeah, does not that sound good at all to me. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, and they're known for their steak and kidney pie. So I think that's kind of some of the stuff that you would get on like Thursday night. Yeah. So that's yeah. Kidneys. I was not interested in eating those in any way, shape or form. And we had peas all the time. Peas, peas, peas. And I don't care for peas. <laughs> so the name of the hostel that we stayed in was called Peace Haven. And we called it Pea Heaven. <laughs> so we had um but and then we you know and then you um if you wanted you could go downtown acton and you could go to the little stores and you could buy yogurt and you could buy um uh, you know other things normal things there you know and then there were little um, shops kind of thing there was a fish and chips fish and chips were very very good mm -hmm. um they wrapped them in newspaper just fine um, it soaked up the grease, but I mean, it was good. There was a Chinese place where that we quite often frequented um, and you could go in and you could go with a group of five or something. And then you could get the, the meal that had five different entrees in it. So you weren't all eating, you know, you didn't each order your own thing. Mm -hmm. so that was kind of fun. Um, Did you ever have a, ro a royal encounter? No, no royal encounters here. Darn it. Did, did you visit the guards? Yes. Oh, yeah. We did all the tourist things. We like studied Buckingham at... Palace. Do they have Buckingham Palace tours at I that time? Um, I don't know that we had a tour of it, but we could go to the grounds. Mm -hmm. Buckingham Palace. We had, um, we had um, art class at the Tate Gallery. And the Tate Gallery is a very um, worldwide known... Um, gallery so and we had it with Bradbury and it was very much fun I had a theater class and we saw all kinds of weird things he took us to Dr. Faustus and that was a little strange but they had just opened the new um, national theater and and that place was amazing the sound they could do sound um, 360 degree sound you know like if you were listening to like a train it could start behind you and come all the way around you and end behind you. That was kind of cool. Cool. Those, I mean, those were class. We had an English, we had an English lit class, and that was held in in our hostel. She would come to us, and and she uh, she smoked cigarettes. Well, she lit cigarettes, and then she would be talking and talking, and that cigarette ash would be getting longer and longer and longer, and we'd all be watching that cigarette ash to see when it was going to fall because. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so my mom and dad were leaders for a, um, a, a for a trip to London many years later and she was still teaching but they told her she had to stop smoking so she they didn't get to experience that she had quit so thank <laughs> goodness I mean that was good for her she did she really needed to not be smoking but um that's another big difference between you know over time like you can't even smoke on campus now you have to be off no. campus yeah the uh the 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 one thing at uh in europe um toilet paper is not like toilet paper in the u.s let me tell you the, to 
<laughs> Do we want to know the, how the story plays out? <laughs> the toilet paper at the hostel actually came in a box and it was a sheet, okay? And it was non-absorbent. I wrote lots of letters home on it because it was thin and lightweight. Yeah. Yeah, I sent it to my, my buddy who was in the paper science department and asked him what kind of absorbency he goes, it has none. So, <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. So people panicked about toilet paper here in the U.S. over the pandemic, though. Yeah. So yeah. Europe was probably okay because they're like, we don't need to stockpile that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I mean, you could go to you could go to the store and you could get toilet paper more like at home. But what they had in the hostel was not not exactly absorbent. <laughs> not, so. <laughs> So, and even on the continent, when I was on the continent, you, you, lots of times it was like brown paper towels. Oh, yeah. So you, so you kind of, if you wrinkled it up and, you know, wadded it and squeezed it and whatnot, it would get softer, but yeah, yeah. but at least it was absorbent. Would you ever want to go back? To sure. London? You can I would me. love to go back. I could take you. Yes. Yeah, I would love to go back to London, but I don't think my body will go to back to London. So I actually have a son. I actually have a son and, and he's in his 30s now. And he's he's also a teacher and he's teaching in um, Mandalay, Myanmar. And Myanmar used to be known as Burma. And so, and he's been there. This is his fourth year. And, and I would love to go see him too, but I've got replaced knees and I have sleep apnea. And so all that stuff has to play into traveling. And I just don't see this being something that I'd be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. So what else do you want to know? <laughs> I mean, I have, you know, I, I asked all my questions, but... Oh. Um, Jeff, do you have any questions? I had a question. Yeah. Yeah. What? Um, what about your master's? How did you decide, uh, like, to get to get a master's, get a master's? degree? Okay, I think so a lot of our students don't think about, like, they think about going to college, but they don't think about, like, you know, you know, the master's degree. Further? I know, I know, I didn't. I I felt yeah. like, you know, I just need this bachelor's degree. That's already too much. But what makes a person want to go and get a master's degree afterwards? Okay. So the one thing in the, in the teaching realm, um, when I was teaching, um, in order to get pay raises, you needed to um, do advanced courses. And once you got a master's, you would get a significant pay raise. Um, I don't know that that is so much the case now after um, 2010. Was that when Walker did the Act 10, the Act 10 thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but so I, I was teaching and, you know, I, I wasn't really, I mean, it, it was like, yeah, more money would be nice. Well, then one of my um, um, colleagues at my school found a program that would come to our school and um, it was for two years and it, they called it a learning commu um, community. And 
So we had, I don't even remember how many of us there were, but um, it, it happened at, at the school that I teach at. So once a month, I would go to classes on Saturday and Sunday at school all day. And we did that for two years and I got my master's. The, um, it was a fairly unique activity at that time. We had, um, so that, I mean, it was just, it was convenient because it was at my school and a lot of my um, um, colleagues from my school were involved with it. And then from other, they I, uh, had other schools too that they contacted. And so we had um, teachers from other schools um, in the Westfield area that came. Um, and then uh, I think it was the fact that it was at my school and that it was two years and it was one week, one weekend a month, and then after two years, it was done and over with. What was what appealed to me? So, do you think it's common for most teachers um, to get a master's degree at some point? I think so. In this day and age, I think so. There's there's some out there that are even going. Well, if you're going to go into higher, higher education, or if you're going to, I mean, if you're going to be a school counselor, you have to, I think you have to have a master's for that, right, Judy? Yeah. Is that still true? That I would be correct. Okay. Um, and um, if you're going to be a university professor, then you're probably going to need to have at least a master's, if not a doctorate. Um, right. Principals uh, used to have to have a PhD, but I don't know if they knew anymore. Well, I think they probably have to have at least a master's In or be working for it. Yeah, I want to say one. Yeah, Chase had to have a master's in order to be a principal. He was my coworker. Um, so I, you know, if and you're so going to go like on, it, and it's not something you have to do right after you're done with your bachelor's. Okay. This is something you went back and my my a I myself time. too. Like, I think it was like five years, or it was actually yeah. no eight. I graduated eight years after. Um, yeah, I think mine my was even longer so. than that. I got mine in two thousand. So. I got my master's in 2000. Yeah. So well, those are all the questions I had. Thanks, Cindy. Yep. Well, now into some announcements. So we don't have a lot of announcements this month. Um, the only announcements we really have are we are going to hire some TAs about 10 TAs actually. Um, and these tutor advisors will be given um, a group of up to eight students, um, eight to 10 students. And those TAs will be in charge of contacting them. So stay tuned for more information. You will be assigned a TA for the future. Um, some of our TAs that um, will be joining us hopefully will be Reese, he was here over the summer, Ryan, Chia, Maggie, Brendan, Heidi, Emma, Pachi, Mai, and Meg. So those will be our TAs. Again, stay tuned. We will uh, have them reach out to everybody and they probably will come to school visits as well. 
another announcement that we have is I just wanted to shout out our all-stars for the month of November. So our November all-stars are Samantha Schaefer, Brittany Chang, Hannah Monroe, Melody Shaker, Nikita Tisland, Felicia Zhang, and Joseph Jones. So congratulations. Um, again, keep an eye out for an email and stuff for me because I will be asking you which gift card you want um, because you do get a $5 gift card for being an all-star. So thanks for being you. And again, as always, if you need anything, reach out to us. We are here to help. Then I think we can move on to Judy and she can talk about how she had to get her master's for her. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, like they said that you do have to get your master's for like, let's say you want to be a counselor or a therapist or something like that. Um, pretty much plan to have your master's because you need that in order to get licensed and work where you need to work. So, yes. um, but you yes. can get your master's in a lot of different things. Um, so you know yeah. But, yeah yeah well my um undergrad which means my first bachelor's degree after high school I had similar upbringing to Cindy and it was never like a question if I wasn't going to college and I like again nobody said you must go to college it was just a, th a thing you know that people did so um I applied to Whitewater Green Bay Stevens Point I think Eau Claire also and I got into all those but um, I almost went to Green Bay because I really liked the underground <laughs> underground tunnels but um, <laughs> that was a very appealing to me but at the time um, it was UW-Green Bay if you've never been there it's kind of it's really pretty campus but it's like on the outskirts and it's not like within walking distance to get to anywhere so you would need like a car or a, or a bus and at the time I'd like people didn't have cars like they do now like I feel like a lot of students get cars earlier I didn't get my first car till I was like 23 so um so anyway um I was all about saving money I was like super cheapo I didn't want to take out I knew I was going to take out loans because my parents didn't have the means to help me too much um and so I chose Stevens Point because I could live at home and save money on room and board um, I also had like a regular babysitting gig and I didn't want to give that up because that was like kind of my, my spending money. Um, so thinking back, I wish I would have lived in the residence hall just to have that experience. But again, I was just all thinking about I want to try to get out of here with the least amount of debt as possible. And that is a consideration these days for sure. But I also think you miss a whole lot by not having that residence hall experience. I so agree anyway, with you there. Yep. Um, so I was the opposite kind of brain or educational interest as Cindy, like math was like the bait of my existence always and forever. Um, so when I got to college, I had to take, I tested really low. I, I tested into the class you have to take before you can take the class, before you can take the class that you get credit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I uh, relate to that so yeah. much. <laughs> so like for those of you like you have to take I was going for a bachelor's of arts which means you take more of the humanities type classes like your histories your English 
versus students who get like a bachelor of science, they take much more of the math and science, but no matter what route you take, you have to take some of everything. So I was in a bachelor of arts. So at the time I only needed three credits of math and that was it. But before I could get to that three credit class, I had to take, I tested into like two classes lower than that class, but I was like, I'm not taking anymore. So I went, I jumped, I took a chance and took the next class up before I could take the class with credit. Um, and at the time they were eight weeks. So I could get all my, both my math classes done in one semester. Anyway, I had a wonderful teacher. Um, and I think that was a huge part of why I didn't do well in high school math was just your junior high and high school. I didn't have very good teachers. And plus I had all this math anxiety and I was just whatever. So, but when you're in college and you know, all I have to do is get through this one class and I'm done with math for the rest of my most of my life, you know, you're a little bit more motivated and you're paying for it. Um, and I did have a really good teacher. So, and I actually got an A in math for the first time in my entire life. So uh, the teacher really makes a big difference. Um, and plus, I think honestly in high school, you're just, I'm like, I didn't really care if I got a C in math. <laughs> I was just like, I hate this class so much. I don't really care. But like I said, when you get to college and I knew I was going to eventually go to grad school, I didn't want to have season my transcript but anyway so um i chose i was undeclared at first i knew i wanted to do something like a guidance counselor or a social worker but i really wasn't quite sure what route i wanted to go and i eventually just chose um sociology as my major um it just had a whole lot of classes that i was interested in, like adolescent development child development and you know working with families and all that kind of stuff so that's what i did um with that, um, one thing I wanted to talk about, Cindy was talking about the punch cards, and that just reminded me of how we used to have to register for classes. And oh like Jessica God. and Jeff, when you guys were in school, you probably had like, you could be at home or in your residence hall and like just log on to something and register online. Yeah. But what we I had didn't. to I do- had, I had to fill out a card and meet with my advisor. Yeah. Oh, okay. really? I went, okay. Well, I went to college in 2000, I started college in 2006. So I was kind of at the cusp of when like everything and everything's digital. Yep. So yeah. I, I guarantee you like my school has a digital now but I had to do a card you yep. still had to like meet with your advisor and they mm -hmm. had to approve it oh, or yeah. um, like I guess when I started college I had to fill out like a, a piece of paper like an online pdf of the classes I wanted and then the um, my advisor would enter it in the computer for me and they'd have to sign off on it but it was very easy. And then I think maybe like my second year of college, it was all digital. So maybe it's yeah. just freshmen that have to do that. But I yeah, was- But you guys don't understand. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, so it was like, not as difficult. Yeah. So there's like this timetable that comes out and now it's all online. But at the time it was like this, I don't know how many pages paper document. And like you had to go through like, you had to know exactly what courses you needed to take. And that's why you met with your advisor. Like you had to know like what sequence of classes and how the sequence went and what you needed for a pre -grad. So you had to go and like make like three different schedules for yourself based on what might be available. Mm -hmm. So like they might have 10 sections of a class. So then you have lots of options, but then some classes might only have two sections or one. So if you don't get in, you're pretty much, I can't take that class. And then you were assigned a time like, and it was all based on class change and how many credits you had. So when you were a freshman, you got like the last times. But anyway, I remember um, I had to have like three or four schedules worked out. Like I, if I couldn't get this, then I have to go this way and blah, blah, blah. So 
you go to Quant Gym. Um, that's where yep. they play like basketball and everything. And they had all these tables set up. And so you go in and you have to stand in line. Like they'd have like sociology over here, English over there. And you had to stand in line for, so not only did you have your time, but you also had then had to stand in line to go pick up the card for the section of the class you wanted. And you had to have, be very specific about which card you wanted because the person working would hand you the card. And so then if you didn't, if you got to the front of the line, like, oh, sorry, that section's closed and to go to your plan B. And if you couldn't get into it, you just wasted all that time standing in line and got a shift to it. Just, <laughs> it, it was just like, oh my God, Judy. <laughs> I know it was like really anxiety producing. Like for somebody who's like, so type A and super organized like me, it was like aggravating. Cause I'm like, no, I have to get my plan A schedule. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, very rarely did I have issues getting what I wanted, but I just remember having all this anxiety about registration day because you could have all your classes filled out and had the approval from your advisor. Well, yeah. And then you wouldn't, you, you could just end up with a schedule that you didn't even want because that's what you had to take. And if that's when that one class that you needed met at three o'clock, like I hated afternoon classes, like at three or four, because my brain just shuts off. So I'd rather have like the eight o'clock. So most people don't like eight o'clock. So I didn't have really have any problem getting the morning classes because most people don't like those, but I liked to get my classes done and then have the afternoon to, to do other things. But so I just remember that. And now I look back on that. And I'm like, what a logistical nightmare, all those students coming in there and yep. <laughs> trying to yep. figure that all out. When you got to be a little bit like upperclassmen um, and you would um, declared a major, then you could go to the department office and get your cards ahead of time. So like they would give oh, I never majors um, a preference. So like so then that's how freshmen got kind of screwed sometimes because all the majors would go in and take all the cards that they wanted. So yeah. but. I don't remember ever doing that, but I remember being in the gym and having several different schedules and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you had to know, like you had to go through the course catalog and everything to find out exactly how many credits you needed for your major. And like, you actually have to study like, this is that for this, this will count for that. And then of course you're trying to figure out what course can I take that'll kill like two birds with one stone. And like, there's like some classes at the time we had to take something called a non-Western culture. I think I took like, so uh, anthropology or something. And then, um, yeah. So it was like all these different kind of things you had to get like a writing emphasis class and all this kind of stuff. So um, I remember that, um, but <laughs> my, my one quirk that I said I was gonna talk about when I was in college, I had the superstition like um this was like the late 80s so like all that preppy like if you ever watch anything from like the late 80s like the breakfast club or whatever you know what kind of clothes they wore but anyway there is this um it's a pattern it's called argyle and i don't know if anybody knows what that is but it's basically that diamond pattern that you see you see it on sweaters a lot um and they also put it in socks but anyway whenever i had an exam i had to wear argyle socks that was like my kind of like good luck charm or something so i had probably 30 pairs of freaking argyle socks in every single color you can possibly <laughs> imagine because <laughs> if you have like during finals time you got five tests every day you need to better have five pairs of argyle socks that are clean so, for that. so you need did you need to wear like a different pair for yes every yeah. test Yes. No, 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 no. Oh. oh, so it's like if I had a, um, if I had a couple tests in one day, it was just like I wore argyle socks that day. But <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, have to you, keep can, you could wear two pair at once. 
no, no. <laughs> yeah, extra power then. <laughs> yes, and I don't know what it was, but I was just like, I think one of the first times I took a college exam, I was wearing Argyle socks. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to screw with this. I'm just going to do this for <laughs> So I, I just remember having a whole drawer full of just Argyle socks to wear for when I had an exam. So just weird superstitions <laughs> like that, whatever gets you through the exam period <laughs> or the testing. Um, so yeah. Um, I, I'd also have to say that my biggest regret in college was not taking a semester abroad. Again, it was like a money thing. I went to the international education office and I picked up the application and all the information for the London and I was like filling it out and I was going through it and I was seeing how much it would cost. And I was like, <gasps> you know, like, how am I going to pay for this? And at the time, it's like, you didn't think, oh, financial aid pays for it. And now I think it was like $3,000. And now like, I'd be like, oh my God, I can go to London for $3,000. I'm sign me up, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. I had, I had people that went on the trip with us and they had already graduated from college. And one of them had done semester abroad when she was in college and they wanted to go overseas and they did the, the four month tour because they got more for their money doing it that way then mm -hmm. you know they could take mm -hmm. the same money and maybe go for two weeks mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah so I chickened out just based on the cost and I told myself oh well when I'm out of college and I'm in the workforce I'll be making money I can go whenever I want and not have to take classes and then <laughs> how many years later and I still haven't been to Europe so yeah uh, that's not true yeah yeah that's <laughs> not traveling true harder, traveling <laughs> yeah. harder once you got a job Yep. It, you can, but like, you know, when you get to be um, a young professional or any kind of professional, now, now you've got to make rent and mortgage payments and cell phone. And so like when you're in college, you have your tuition and maybe you have car payment and, you know, whatever, but you're not, you're like living things aren't as complicated as they are once you get out of school. And then once you start you know, having a spouse or kids or something that makes it even more difficult. Yeah. So, so if you can, don't be like me. Well, I did go, I have to say for spring break, I never went on any spring breaks and as an undergrad, but when I was in grad school, my roommate and I did take a trip to the Bahamas just because I had never done a spring break. And I think I could take a week in the Bahamas for like 500 bucks at the time. <laughs> so, and that yeah. was, yeah, so so I did do a spring break in grad school, but I never did. You know, all those like, um, I don't know if MTV still shows up, but they always had the spring break on MTV and people acting like the fool on national television and in Florida. I never did any of that in college. I did. Did you? <laughs> maybe so, in Mexico, maybe in Mexico once for me, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, when I, I mean, I guess I, I would be more what people would consider on the nerd dorky side. I was just all about getting my stuff done and moving on to the next phase in my life. And again, that's not always the best way to go about things because you can miss out on opportunities. But I was, um, I was always, way. I was always like planning for the next, the next thing versus living in the moment sometimes. And mm -hmm. that's okay just in some situations. But again, yeah, I think like I never did take that spring break and maybe I should have like live it up a little, but I was just all about, okay, this is, this is what I'm doing now. Move on to the next thing. So, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I, I was always 
connections, connections, connections. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I don't want to leave to go abroad because I need to work. So I was working in my field, kind of in my field, all of like my career. So I worked at Boys and Girls Club. So they always needed me to work. So for me, I was like, that's more important right now. I uh-huh. do wish I went abroad, but also I'm kind of glad that I did all that because <laughs> uh-huh. I got a yeah. lot of experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, but when you travel and do things like that, that you gain experiences there too. When, uh-huh. I, when I was teaching, I would oftentimes... Um, parents would, you know, their vacations aren't necessarily when school breaks are. And so, you know, they'd be all, I'd have parents that were all concerned about their kids and doing their schoolwork. And I would say to them, they're going to learn a ton just being with you on a vacation. I mean, even if it was, you know, just in Illinois or something, they're still going to learn stuff there that they aren't going to learn in a classroom. So all of that's good learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, they do a much better job now with promoting semester abroad and helping, because I think if you wanted to do that, like when I was in school, unless I just wasn't paying attention or because I wasn't living on campus, I was living off campus. Like if you wanted to do a semester, like you had to do all that like work, like go over to the office and like look at everything and like nobody was there to like really encourage you or sit down with you. I suppose they could have if I would have probably been a little bit bolder, but um to like tell you about the options and like if I wouldn't known that financial aid could cover it I probably didn't know that but I was like oh that's more loans and blah 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 and, but it's probably worth it some 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 things are worth spending the money on so yeah and like if you're already gonna graduate with ten thousand dollars in debt of three thousand dollars of that well at the time ten thousand now ten thousand dollars and that would be a good, <laughs> a good situation for students but um, yeah yeah, yeah. So um, in terms of my grad school journey, um, like when I was um, a sociology major and I was looking into, like I knew if I wanted to be a guidance counselor or a school social worker, like I knew I wanted to work kind of in that. I knew I had to go into grad school. Um, So it does, like I just did my research um, in terms of like what it took to get licensed as a school counselor. And And at the time you had to have, um, teacher certification and teaching experience before they would admit you into a program or you would have to do like an extra year internship or something um, and at that time I was already like well into my junior year of college and so um, in order to get teacher certification there's like a certain number of classes you have to take in order to get accepted into the education department like there's a at the time there was like a history sequence like you had to take 211 and 212 and I took 105 and 106 you know so I would have had to go back and take a lot of those things over again just to get and then I was like oh that's going to take me another two years so um, then I just looked into school social work and that didn't have the same kind of teaching experience so I decided I was going to get into the schools in that route Um, and then at the time um, Wisconsin only had two um, school social work programs and that was UW-Madison and UW-Milwaukee and I knew I didn't want to live in Milwaukee because you hear growing up in central Wisconsin you hear all these horror, horror stories about living in Milwaukee so I was like I I have no desire to live in Milwaukee but um, so <laughs> so I went to UW-Madison but the thing with UW-Madison is that they're well UW-Milwaukee is kind of too but Madison's more so it's more of a research-based so a lot of my coursework was 
theory and research and not like how do you do a child abuse investigation like we were sitting around in grad school going okay we're gonna have a master's degree in social work and nobody's told us how to do like an uh, investigation <laughs> for child abuse and neglect um because you kind of like pick your specialty and so uh, unless you're going into the child welfare specialty which i don't know why anybody would these days at low pay and high burnout <laughs> but um um, so I did a disabilities field unit my first year because they said if you're going to work in schools, it's good to work with students who have disabilities um, because that's a lot of your um, work in the schools is going to be dealing with students with disabilities. So um, I did that one and then I had a, um, a school, my second year I did a school social work placement. But anyway, that was interesting. I remember um, Madison is very progressive and um kind of always like I always felt like people had to be like, trying like the latest thing to be cool or whatever but I had this one professor <laughs> my first semester of grad school and she was very much a product of the 60s and all that like hippie kind of culture if you didn't get my drift and um <laughs> mm-hmm. the class was like she we'd go outside and she was very much into like all this reflection, like way to keep a journal, which is fine. But like her class activities, it would all be like, okay, we're going to stand in a circle and we're going to pretend that we have this big giant ball of energy floating above our heads and we have to pass it to somebody across the circle. And I'd be looking at her like it's eight o'clock in the freaking morning and this is what <laughs> I have to be doing. Like, how does this have anything to do like with social work? And it was all just about you know yes (laughs) Yes. and so she was always doing things like that and it was just like I I think I always just must have had I I do not have a poker face so whenever she probably just thought I was just like uh, I thought she was nuts because I was like like, are you kidding me this is what I got up to go (laughs) do is pretend we have the stupid energy ball (laughs) and I just get so frustrated I'm I'm paying for this yes exactly (laughs) um but I mean, by the end of the semester, I mean, I got like we. I came to understand what kind of person she was, and it was just everybody has just different styles of getting to the same yeah. thing. And she was all very much on the mindfulness and like living in the moment, which and she knew because like by my journal writing, she would be like, "You're very self-reflective in writing, but like when we're in class, that doesn't come out." And I'm like, "Because I'm thinking you're insane." you know so <laughs> so so she was just kind of like you know what you talk about in your writing is how you should you know participate in class and I'm like mm-hmm, no that's not happening <laughs> I, I had a teacher do that too I had a professor and we would do mindfulness and stuff in class actually I had a couple professors do that and I maybe it's because I was in psychology and everybody really likes mindfulness but I hated it. I'm like, I don't want to sit here and do mindfulness in class. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. I, well, not yeah. And well, now I see the importance of it. But at the time, you're kind of like, I didn't need to get up at this time of the day to do this. Yeah. Hey, I did a workshop on that at one year. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that big ball of energy over mm-hmm. your head, Jeff. No, well, but I didn't I think... do that part. But I did do that on yoga on Tuesday night. So. Yeah. So, well, but so I still... Jeff can lead that for our um, one of our monthly school visits. Jeff can come on and do that, and we can all yeah. pretend we have a ball of energy. And I will just like log off and be like, "I'm out of here." <laughs> but um, 
but I still to this day remember that professor telling me that I get so caught up in like planning for like what's next that I don't I'm not paying attention to like some things I could pay attention to like in the present which is totally true because I'm always like okay what's next what's next yeah you know um so I still remember her saying that and I'm like I hopefully I've gotten better at it but a part of me still thinks I'm still that 24 year old person in grad school going what the heck are you making me do at eight o'clock in the morning (laughs) so yeah yeah so yeah you just and grad school is one of those times like it's like very specialized like you're very narrowly focused and um it's a lot more like reading and research than it is um you know like you don't you'll take you you might have like three classes in a semester at most um and they're worth more credits but um you're, you're very specialized and so then when you're you you enjoy your classes more because that's what trips your trigger and what, what you're passionate about so yeah <laughs> but even with any kind of major you take in college there's always going to be classes you don't want to take like pretty much mm-hmm. everybody has to get take a research and statistics class like I hated stats because it's too mathy but you know you had to take it if you wanted to graduate you take this class <laughs> so that's kind of how it goes um, so there's always going to be classes that you have to take that you don't that really you don't enjoy like. yeah but hopefully you can find something within a certain category that might sort of interest you. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I had to take stats too, and I like stats, um, but I wasn't good at it. So yeah. I wasn't good at the math part, but I really liked um, the having to, I don't know. I liked that it had a purpose. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and now when I sometimes when I read research and they'll say the significance is this, and I'd be like, oh, kind of now I to remember what the heck that means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's basically just helps you like realize whether you're reading something that has, like, if you can know just enough to know whether it's a valid study or research or not. <laughs> yeah. So, no. So. And again, I know students sometimes, like, when we do activities with students, they might be that might be them pretty sure they are thinking like what the heck does this have to do with getting ready for college (laughs) or why are we doing this and it and it'll make sense at some other point in time that's the same way like with college like why did I have to learn this but it just helps you uh, like everybody has to take like a public communications class and that's like usually really high anxiety Mm-hmm. you know class or people, people don't like giving presentations mm-hmm. well now I have to do it all the time so right. um I still don't like it but it's much easier like the more you do it um not yeah. that I'm going to get up and try to do a persuasive speech in front of everybody but mm-hmm. it's just it's just feeling comfortable and up in front of people and sounding like you know what you're talking about <laughs> so well even um my husband who works uh as a computer programmer he didn't really have to give too many presentations at his other job, but now he has to give one at least once a week. He has mm-hmm. to actually give like a whole presentation. So um, it does help. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you, but I mean, I still don't understand why I needed to know the anatomy of a starfish and the vascular system of a starfish, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. it was half of my grade on a test. So I memorized it. <laughs> yeah well I know that yeah. and I know the mating rituals of bluegill fish I there don't you know. 
need to really know that, but I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you have somewhat interest in biology too. I do. So. I had interest in all like the weird stuff and <laughs> so it's just all part of calling like college education is a broad like you broad base of knowledge on a bunch of different topics. So right. You know. So well we probably come to the close of our hour here. Yep. yep. So is there any other questions or anything that anybody has for Judy? Or Cindy. I mean, I think I got all my questions answered. So if any of you have any questions, you can always reach out to us too. And we can answer them in next week, next month's episode. Yeah, Jeff and Jessica probably have vastly different college experiences than what I did, or maybe some similarities, but yeah, it'll be interesting to have It'll be vastly different from mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. Well, well Jeff, my sister, thanks yeah. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Hey, I want to tell you one thing that I thought of when I, when I applied for teaching jobs. You know, you talked about I talked about how I had that failing grade in a class. The reason that I was hired, part of the reason I was hired for that job, was because I had a failing grade. Because the principal said that. Um, if, if I had failed a course, then I would know how students would feel when they failed a course. Good point. So. Okay, but don't go out and fail everything just so you can um, relate to students right. later. You know, so. <laughs> but no. the point is F's on the end of the world. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the point. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for right. joining us and we'll see you next month. Okay, bye everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the UB Pointers podcast. Again, this was part one of a two-part series. So join us next month for Jeff and I to talk about our college experience. Thanks for coming.